Should we start or should we wait a couple of minutes? Or I, my watch is very unreliable and I don't and I have my phone. Is it 6:30? Oh, get, might as well. Might as well. And um, I'm going to see. I'm going to test myself and see if I can pick out the people that are here from last time. I see Joel. This is Joel, right? Am I right? Yes. Okay. That's Joel right there. And I see Raphael, who's right next to Joel. And I do not see Ed Hodges. Let's do something really. <laughs> then we'll have to put him back on if he comes in. And uh, let's see. Matthew Strembut, no. But Rosalind Ritchie, for sure. Where'd you go? Oh, there you go. Here's Rosalind Ritchie, right next. Yes, she is right next to Rosalind Hyde. And I know that. Matthew Stremba is not here, but Tim Ward is here, and Nancy Kindling is not here, and there's nobody in this group named Topophilia, which we discovered last week was a great word that means being in love with topography and, you know, geography being your thing. So um, we don't need to leave her up here. To me, that looks like a girl's name. Um, Speaking of people who were once upon a time girls, that's my email address. And I'm really sad to say that, that only one person took me up on my offer. Like, if you want to hand in whatever you were working with last time, just as a thing for us to talk about initially this hour, you were welcome to. But I also know that... Who was the other, who was the person who it? It was you. It was you. And then, how, how many of you here are on Facebook? or ever do Facebook well, I do. And I don't do it very much because I kind of hate it, but it's useful in some ways. But occasionally I've posted something in my status and I have to like it myself because nobody else has liked it, you know. So I'm saying, you know, I, add, I, I threw in my notes from last week too. It's sort of like liking your own Facebook entry. So that's the two we'll just take a quick look at tonight. Oh yeah. I, I don't look at it much, but when I do, I'm always disappointed in myself. Okay. We can get the names of some people that are here. Sarah Wilkins is not among us. Um, and then there are a couple people who let us know at the last minute they couldn't be here. But let's see. Now, you just tell me again I forgot, no, I forgot your name, because I should have known it from last time. And then you told me again a minute ago. Tell me one more time, all of us. Yeah. T-E-R-R-O-D. No, wait, what's the last letter? D. Have I got it? Yeah. Okay, and your last name? S. Oh, no. S. W. Rod Swan. Okay. And let's see. We have two additional people that we didn't have last week. Very, very glad to see you. And tell us, tell us all your name. And then maybe just a little something to help us remember. It's just a tiny something about yourself. Do you have an E on it, Faye? No E. Oh, no E. Is that right? Okay. Could I have the E, please? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
Yes. In fact, you can have it right now. There. Great. Here's I'm a, in the workshop with her. Uh, really? Yes. Hey, small this world. Is, uh, this is one of the people that uh, Fernando introduced me to. Oh, wow. Yeah, Fernando is he's a, a force of nature and a wonderful addition to the whole Baltimore writers. Indeed. So, and, and tell, tell us your name. It's Yvonne, Yvonne Holton. And I attend Writing Outside the Fence also. And I am trying to be a better writer. Do I have your last name right? Is this H-O-L-T-O-N. Okay. And so, is there anybody in here whose name we don't have? There's, there are two names that, I, that everybody needs to know. And if you haven't been introduced to Kim Leith before, she and, and Kathleen Neal, who is right there with water, um, are amazing. And Pratt is so lucky to have them because they do so much groundwork and they make these things possible and they make handouts exist and they make the whole ambiance work and from, from the groundwork to bringing some water and thank you again Kathleen and um, yeah so and I'm Clarinda Harris and I write stuff and I read stuff and I run a publishing company uh, called Brickhouse Books and for I've when I retired from teaching full-time in February 2011, I had taught for 50 years, but of those 40 were at Towson University in the English department. So that's, that's my background. Have had some books out and still learning how to write. So that's me. And there are handouts, and they are... Oh, good, you've got... Is that the most recent one? Oh, okay. I, I better get one myself. I'm sorry, I didn't. Great. And uh, I'm going to add to that my little, my little runoff in, running off of uh, some re Oh, thank you. From some poems for that. I don't know about you, Ross, but I, I consider what I have on here just a a little draft, but for people who weren't here last week, we were using a prompt about imagining, or I'm sorry, not imagining, remembering a family photograph. And it was important to be just remembering them, not looking at them, because what's often interesting about those memories is what isn't there, or what you mentally put in there because you wish it were there. Or as, and it did turn out to be somewhat inspiring to Raphael. At some point, I said, "Yeah, maybe maybe a dog wandered into that picture, and a dog wandered into your poem." Do you do you have a copy? D does any of you who was here last week have a copy of the of the notes that you took last week? Oh, you. But you, we've also got your actual poem that came out oh, of no, it. I, so. Did you copy that? Yeah. Oh, it's copied. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what's that's what's being given out right now. And yeah, and Roz was able to bring a photograph on which it was based. Yes. Oh, yeah, I had no problem. I just, when I started running it off, it, there was a problem. Yep.
I, my, uh, when I use Word, I cannot convince it to not single, not double space things if I go back and start a new line. I thought I knew how to do it. But, yep. I did that, and it, 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 no matter what, even when I, when I specifically say single space. I, I, I'll worry about that another time. But anyway, I apologize for killing so many trees with these, with these handouts. And I also, as I can say, I was liking my own Facebook thing by including the notes for what maybe someday will be a poem of mine, but I don't know because the few people I've showed it to said it's incredibly lousy, which is, which is okay. Sometimes that's very good feedback and useful. But let's take a look at, at uh, for a moment, at Rosalind's poem, which was... Uh, from a photograph she was remembering, and she will show it to us. She can pass it around. As I say, when I, when I went to print it out, um, my ink cartridge must have been dying because it used up what little was left of my black ink cartridge. <laughs> the woman in the picture has very dark hair. So. And we have a, a new arrival, and it is... Oh, good, you're get, he's getting handouts. I'm sorry to ask you to do this. So, Roz, some of us heard the, the notes that you took toward this, and so some of us may even remember changes you've made. And if you'll just read it to us and then sort of real briefly tell us what the changes were and why you made them. Okay, and the people have had a chance to look. They're passing around the picture. The, the notes on the picture are interesting because the little doodad in her hair, in the, in the woman's hair, was made by, what, Tiffany or oh, yeah. one of the most it's famous it was diamonds. I have one like that, but it's made out of sequins and glue, but that's diamonds. So, Roz, let's hear. Okay. Olga Georges Picot, based on a photograph from a newspaper, Diamonds are Gala's Best Friends. Olga, at 13, you were my best friend. Remember, we walked your old dog in Central Park before school? Oh, how I envied you. Daughter of France's ambassador, spoke four languages and then some, yet born in Shanghai. <clears throat> you traveled the world before age 12, but disappeared from my life. We emerged, a New York debutante, international, French beauty. She even designed her own ball gown tool-proof skirt, the chiffon train, a spun perfection of shocking white. But she'll be back soon if her screen-tested 20th century gels. Oh, how different our lives were. Olga, girlfriend of the Agathon, Pierre Cardin's ferocious new model, later starred in René's Je t'aime, Je t'aime, then the man who haunted himself, followed by Day of the Jackal, also played Russell Dominictrix in Woody Allen's Love and Death. Olga, my old friend, you had everything. A blessed, blessed, just blessed life. Or so I thought, until she flung herself from that fifth floor apartment with magnificent view of the River Seine. Any comments? And the photograph is making its way around, right? Yeah. I, I know some of the changes. I mean, I remember some of the changes you made. you want to tell us? Yeah, sure. Well, what I did, I, I based what I wrote here on my memory. And I knew her very well, and I sort of followed her life for a long time. 
And then I went into uh, the internet, and I had put about her death, and what her death actually was, was as it is in the poem, that she jumped out of a window of the fifth floor apartment with a beautiful view of the River Seine. And the rest of the stuff is, uh, I went back to the films that she did, and I corrected a few things. Mm -hmm. It's just like I did more research. Right, so you got the facts straight. Yeah, I got the facts. The, the, other, the other version ended with a very specific address, which I had kind of liked. But I kind of like this one, too. Does, does the language of that last line remind you of the language of anything that we tend to see? Like if we're reading the newspaper? It's, to me, it sounds like a, a real estate ad. Yeah, it's what I wanted to Right, and I thought that was, that was very, very clever because it, it suddenly takes it away and depersonalizes it so much. I but it wasn't accurate. Yeah. I had to make it accurate. So we all have to think about a very interesting aesthetic point that has just been brought up. How accurate, factually, do the facts of a poem have to be? Huh. What do you think? Any thoughts on that? I mean, am I a bad woman because I made up an entire brother for a poem? I needed to have another viewpoint in there, looking at my parents. I mean, my parents were horrified. Do you really think you have a brother? I mean, no, no, no. I, the mind is still basically all here, but I needed a brother in that poem. So I don't know. Yeah. But something that's so specifically I, I, factual. I really felt I had a duty yeah. to let this woman live as something other than just a movie star and all that. Right. I mean, to give her a life in literature. Yeah. Which she didn't, I mean, not that this is literature, but I really Anything felt you write it down is. duty. Yeah. I couldn't really make something up if it wasn't true. Right, so this, this is so largely it's factual. I see your point. True. I mean, nothing has been made up. I really like the, the language at the end. I had another question about the end. What, what do you all notice about the point of view at the end? Oh, Tunic is she. Yeah. What do you think about that? In your original, did it say you? Or t so I thought until you flung I yourself? Think the original one said you, but I changed it for the simple reason I wanted to change the whole view of the thing. Yeah. Like it was from a newspaper clipping right. that I read. I mean, I didn't know it except from a report. Right, so you wanted that distance I on it. Yeah. Well, I especially like the way it started out with um, the familiarity, you know, the childhood friend. Uh, I mean, that just did it for me, and then you went into all this, and you brought it back to a very personal yeah. level with, um, you know, the, the taking of one's own life is very, very personal. Well, it was a complete shock to me. I mean, a woman who But, I mean, so still, much. it's very, very personal to her. Well, yeah, I mean, she had so much. And the comparison between her life and my life, I mean, I'm not, you know, pleading any jealousy or anything like that, but it's amazing how someone you grew up with, her life would take such a different trajectory. And yet, mm. at the end, you know, you, you may feel jealous of yeah. them, but what the hell was going yeah. on if she killed you? Right, last week we even talked about the Richard Corey poem. Hi, Lolita, hello. Um, Oh, oh, that one. Yeah, right. That's, that's when I thought about. Uh -huh. I also very much I noticed the uh, change in the point of view. Mm -hmm. I, I like that. I did that recently myself. And 
had trouble understanding why I did it, but yours helps me see how it can work so well. So I just wrote it, three people just came in, and two people I already knew their names, and that's Michael Charles over there, and that's Lolita Narona over there, and I'm glad you're here, and I didn't get your name before when you came in. Quinton. Quinton. Okay, and say your last name again. Uh, T-A. L-L-A-F-E-W-R-O. Do you s and you say the whole Talia Farrow, right? There's no I, Oh, oh. Because I have, a, I have a short story, and it's also really true. In Maryland, you probably already know this, a lot of people with that last name mumbled it down to be Tolliver. They really did, and uh, I had, my parents had a friend named Mrs. Tolliver, and when I saw it spelled out, being a bratty little kid taking phonics, I said, excuse me, that is not Tolliver, and they explained that, that over the years, uh, Tolliver, Tolliver, many people just, they didn't move their lips enough to say Tollifero, so they said, and, but you say the whole Tollifero, right? Yeah. Oh. I'm so excited to meet because that's been that's been a source of fascination to me all my life, and also it figures in a short story of mine. So, anyway, whoa, and uh, Lolita is a very well-known poet and fiction writer who scares me just because she's sitting there. And <laughs> and, and can we talk about that reading? Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, and. Michael, you could tell us something about yourself, and, and then and then I could give I, I could give Quentin the chance to tell him something about himself. Just tell us something about yourself, so we'll remember your name too. Okay, this is Michael who doesn't know what to say, and he is better better Charles, better at attending everything that happens in terms of writing and poetry than than anybody except maybe you that I've ever ever met. Well, Tim. I'm surrounded by them. Fantastic. Thank you. You are wonderful supporters of, of writing in, in Baltimore at every level. So thank Good you question. for being here. Yes. Uh, Ma'am. This picture is fantastic to me. I'm in photography a great yeah. deal. And um, there was a lot that belies in this little statement down mm -hmm. here that you probably could have added to me yeah. a couple lines from it. This, this heading, diamonds are a... A gallus, but that is, that's the epigraph of the poem. The epigraph. Yeah. And, I mean, did you make reference to this picture in well, here? Well, I think New York debutante, and uh, I don't really remember what exactly it said. Yeah, well, it's quite involved. Oh, well, no, daughter of the French ambassador. No, what, 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 Ros is at, what Rosalind is asking, I think, is what about that specific could, picture? Could it, I'm saying, could what is on that picture, it's a very old picture, uh, could it have been incorporated in yeah. what she had to say here to give it a little more length? Yeah. I could have, but I, I really okay. wanted to talk more about her life and how the picture brought her whole, her whole life back to me and how it was very short and how it ended so tragically and started so beautifully. I, I, I think I know where you're coming from, though, well, because I when, I saw the, when I saw the poem, I thought I was going to get the sort of white dress picture, and instead we've got the jet black hair and the, the Tiffany thing Even in the hair, a, the a big bangs. description yeah. of what's in the photograph. Mm -hmm. um, That's the thought. I, I hadn't really thought about that one. But it's, 
Right, and that was sort of the suggestion too, rather than writing from the photograph while staring right at it to, you know to imagine I it. Mm. I, had to go back I think it was the Times. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to go back to a diary from the 1960s that I had clipped this out in my diary and I had to take it out and replace yeah. it on a piece of paper. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank it, you. It's really very, very important. Yeah. Glad, glad, you did, glad you had it, glad you did it. I am certainly not going to do anything with this thing of my mother christening Broning Highway, although it's true there are a whole series of photographs of her bashing a champagne bottle when the Broning Highway over here was, was, was opened. And it was just because she was then married to somebody who was a, had a lot of political cronies, and they would call her up from central casting, need pretty woman to, to christen something. His name was Jack Boylan. He was a very dashing journalist and drunk. <laughs> no, he was, that was her first husband. But anyway, I just want to ask you for, to do one thing for me because ne are any of you going to be here next week? Yes. Planning to be? Well, next week depends on us having something to play with that we have written already because it's really about things you do when you're revising. So if you don't have anything that you want us to play with, there will be plenty of handouts, never fear. I will inundate you with, with handouts. But um, it's really about take, adding in what's not there. And you were sort of bringing up a possible point there. And uh, cutting out what's just pure garbage. And the reaction, I'm going to ask you all to do me a favor, because you have this thing now, this snapshots thing. It's a draft. But, so I'm going to raise a question. The two people who hated this poem, and that was 100% of the people who saw it, one said, well, you should have got the backstory in there about her husband and the political cronies and why she'd be christening a highway in the first place. And the other, the other question was, oh, my God, the way you've used rhyme here is just disgusting because it rhymes in some places and not in other places. No, I'm not even going to waste your time. No, it's, it's it, yeah, but we have stuff to do, really and truly. But if you've got a chance to take a look at it, and you don't have to do this because this is a workshop, no homework, that's the deal. But if you had a chance, if any of you had a chance to look at this and help me, because this is a, this is a thing that needs help desperately. Where, and I, the, where would I find the photograph? Huh? Where would I find the photograph you wrote? Oh, you wouldn't because it's in a lost album and that's in the poem. I'm remembering these. They have something very scary to remember. Somebody, maybe my mother, cut the faces out of all the... In every photograph, the face has been cut out. And it's creepy, but I can't find the album, so I couldn't bring the photograph. No, that's not what revising is unless it's your own poem. Just see if you can identify the problem spots. Or maybe there's nothing good in this or another poem to be revised, anybody's poem to be revised. Maybe there's nothing good in it except three lines. But they're real sock knockers off. So, you know, if you can identify anything here, that, or in any poem, actually, because we're going to be doing this next week, that should be saved. Your own poems are a good place to look, too. What do I most need to do to this poem? And what would happen if this or that was cut out? But I digress, because that's for next week. This week, we're going to get started on a lovely project that we're in the perfect location for. And that's it, uh, kind of poetry that has 
if you're not already familiar with it, um, a nice fancy Greek name, ekphrastic poetry. I did not learn that term until one of my students used it in one of her papers. So I thought, oh my god, I better look it up. And I did, and I found that all it means is poems that are about another piece of art. And by art, it can mean a picture, it can mean an advertisement. I mean, art can have a very loose definition. It could even be a poem about another poem. It could be a poem about an oriental rug. It could be a poem about that lamp. But it's something else that, sh if you can in any way call it a work <coughs> of art. Luckily, here tonight, we are surrounded by just right on this floor and just right on this part of this floor by one of the most incredible exhibits I've had the privilege of seeing in a long time. And it's by a woman named, I think it's Jean Thomas. Is that right? Uh, the exhibit is put together uh, for Black History Month, and it's dolls, it's um, of many vintages, uh, song album covers, uh, photographs. It's mind-boggling, but there are also a lot of books out there that contain wonderful works. And then, as people sometimes don't notice, all over the walls and in niches, there are busts, there are contemporary works of art, like that by Reuben Kramer over there of a we know what bird that is, right? It's not a vulture, although I think it looks very vulture-esque. That bird there has got to be Reuben Kramer's idea of a raven. And uh, he was a wonderful artist, but he didn't care about being Audubon. And there's a photograph. Who knew that photographs were that good back when Edgar Allan Poe was actually alive and, uh, well, reasonably well. And then I think, is that by... I, I recognize the artist, and I can't think of his name. Is that by Raoul Goodman? Raoul? Is that also by Reuben Kramer? So there's contemporary art all over the place. There's some very stern-looking or very benign-looking busts of people, uh, some of whom we have no idea until we read the name, who they are. There's a, a painting there that if... I have to assure the security guards that I'm not ever really going to steal it, but I want it very much. And it's a, it's a Chagall poster and of a chicken, and I love it. So there's a lot of things to write about. And in a minute, we're going to take a little hike and, and get some ideas and make some jottings like we did before. Okay, is that, is that all right with you all? It could work. Um, but just in case, and I'm always thinking just in case, just in case... I don't know, we some, for some reason have to hold this workshop outdoors. And there's no works of art in the Pratt Library to look at. I brought in a lot of stuff that had inspired other poets. I, was, I wanted to use this on the cover because it is going to be the cover. I'm going to use it for the cover of my next book. And you'll notice I had to tactfully kind of censor it with the identification. It's a painting by Albert Durer called Old Bags with Money. And I think we see three bags here, let's face it. Let's not put too fine a point on it. And two of them are, it goes very well with my new book, which is going to be called Crone. And Crone, well, I, I changed it. I'm actually just going to call it Crone. But anyway, yeah, it was. when I, <laughs> A few weeks ago, it was Crone Songs. But anyway, um, I feel that I know this woman actually quite well, even though Albrecht Durer was a, a, a German artist of many centuries, or quite a number of centuries ago. Yeah, that's, I guess, four, four no, five counts as many. But um, somebody, people have said they thought it was a very cruel portrait, and I think it's funny. And, I mean, sure, she's missing a tooth, 
That's one of the reasons I feel I know this woman. And, and she's also pretty happy. And she's also coming out of her clothes and doesn't seem to mind that either. So I, I like this woman a lot. So I think I'm going to use her for the cover of my book. But that's enough. But enough about me. Now, here's something I think is very interesting because it's ekphrastic in two ways. One, uh, in this packet, there's a poem inspired by, uh, by the very famous painting on the left of the page. Um, on the right, and I just, I just plucked this off the internet, is a photograph. It's actually a very complicated selfie. It's a photograph by a young woman who was writing about this picture, but she used as the cover of her thesis this, this picture of herself dressed and posed like the person in the work of art. So she's writing her thesis about this work of art, but she's also made a piece of ekphrastic art, which is this photograph based on the painting. I thought it was clever. And of Define ekphrastic. Ekphrastic is just a poem. Well, ekphrastic art is art based on another work of art. Ekphrastic poetry is a poem about another work of art. And work of art can be used quite loosely. You like Musée Yeah, sure. And we've got some examples here. And yes, I'm a, a Tarad. Oh, I sh it's on the front cover of the handout. It's right there. And while you're at, if anybody else is on the front cover, why don't you also write down my email address in case you're inspired to send me a draft or anything that you want me to bring in for next week to work on. But ekphrastic art doesn't have to be, a, a, an ekphrastic poem does not have to be about a hallowed famous work of art or something that's hanging in a gallery, it can be, as it is in this case, a photograph of panties drying on a clothesline. And I think you will find the poem in here. Oh, okay. The poem that goes, there's a, there's a little bit of um, disconnect. The poem that goes with the painting and the girl who posed herself to look like the painting is uh, by William Rivera. And it's, uh, it's, called, it's called The Name of the Woman, Marie-Denise Villiers' Self-Portrait. So what we've got here is you know, a self-portrait and then a self-portrait by the the person who took the photograph of herself looking like this. Now this person, William Rivera, really was looking at that picture. So there's a lot of detail in there about the picture. And we could use a reader, I betcha, um, before, before we get to the panties, which I'll, lo I'll, I'll locate in a moment. Uh, volunteer reader? Do I have to volunteer you? Oh, thank you, Joel. My please, not very good voice. Do you, oh, that's right. We forgot the. Uh, uh, we're looking because I just happened to come to it. Your. They had this picture on the right. 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 
There it is. Right, Marie Denise Villiers' self-portrait, and it's by a poet named uh, Bill Rivera. And in this case, unlike last week when we were just sort of trying to pull up out of our memory details that might not have even been there, he really was looking very carefully, so the details are all there. And Joel, will you read it to us? Sure. Um, Marie Denise Villiers' self-portrait. Framing this tent, she, she paint, she's painted herself. Her left hand holds a sketch pad tilted up, the right ready. Dressed in flowing white, soft but targeted as if inviting the onlooker to pose for her as if her palette captures whoever stands before her. About her, there's the slightest tease, one foot out from under, the other hidden beneath her four-length elegance. So slight a smile, her small nose, blue eyes, her curls of hair cascade, stunning how the impression does not stop but flows. In the Parisian window, behind her two small figures of formal dress, are they in love or desiring love? Her smile reveals the onlooker's thoughts. How many times that day I turned back, sought her out, and left, nothing fixed apart from this postcard by my desk. Traces of her shady sky, her crevice dress, the hint of what's been missed, the clue to what she means, her look beyond expertise. So would you say the writer of the poem thinks, oh, I've written this poem, now I really understand this work of art? Yeah, I see a lot of head shaking. No. Was Bill Rivera a woman? No, Bill Rivera is a, a guy. He lives in Washington. He oh. used to be, his field used to be uh, top of field. You know, his field used to be agriculture. And he went into poetry relatively late in life. Yeah, I think you can make a case for saying the point of the poem might be that the more he looks at it, the more he doesn't understand it. Yeah. But um, I'm. What's been left, yeah, what's been missed. But you know, Mm-hmm. Well, it actually, it's a sonnet and it rhymes if you look at it carefully. It doesn't rhyme very exactly, but um, I would suggest, last week, if you didn't get one, it's really kind of interesting. There was a handout, we have more of them, uh, Kim made additional ones, called the prose poem, and that's really a legitimate form where you just, it doesn't look like Rivera's because you don't use line, you know, end stop lines, but it does talk about, you know, the fine line between good prose, you know, which is anything but poetry, which, ev- which is everything but poetry or list, and poetry, which I think we all think we know what it means and probably every one of us would define it differently. Mm-hmm. It would be a good exercise to do. So you start, Roz. Tell us in 25 words or less what you think a poem is that this one is not. Well, I'm a formalist like you are. And I, 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 what, how, I, how I do a prose poem, I mean, if you can read it without, if you can read it like not with the stops at the end, just like a page on a book, mm-hmm. it, would, uh, it would work. Right, but I think that the so-called, there's a word for it, um, enjambment, 
for when the line of a poem, or the thought of the poem doesn't run past the end of the line. And, uh, and certainly this one does that a lot. But there is some rhyme here, and in, in some respects it's a pretty traditional Shakespearean sonnet. But yeah, I'll say, I, you, I know you weren't complaining, but it does certainly have a, a prose-like feel. Can anybody find the Panties poem? I love that poem. It's also by Bill Rivera. I got the Panties. Where's the Panties poem? Oh, Eureka, Five Panties on the Clothesline. And this was written when uh, he was doing one of his field research things. And it's on the back of a wonderful picture of a, po of a poet that we're also going to look at. Does anybody want to read Five Panties on the Clothesline? Five Panties on the Clothesline, Oahu Agricultural Technical School, Ghana, 2006, is the setting for the photograph on the preceding pages of Five Pairs of Panties on a Clothesline. Five Panties on the Clothesline flutter from two-year-old to ancient auntie. I stop to frame what artlessly entices, undies shining hot in sunlight pink. My escort questions why I stare. What well, can it please the man from overseas, those panties in the breeze? <laughs> Therein hangs a tale, mine, not theirs. Call it fetish or predilection. It's not the breasts I hold as beauty, but what's behind? Aphrodite's Calypagos. The, the Anasirma gesture caught looking back that moment, the question as if to ask, am I perfect? And she is divine. The clothesline sequence touches on expectation, not mine, theirs, though not the ones seen through. Love's laborers who made it to the well-known shore, but those so tiny on the edge of hopes, their baby odysseys of make-believe. I see myself in each of these, the vert galant, the lover's tease, a moment in a fantasy, a stranger's view of panties in the breeze. Oh, I like that. Don't you love it? And I include that for a lot of reasons, including the fact that that photograph is a very artistic photograph of the five panties in the breeze. Although I have a big joke going with Rivera about this. Look back at the photograph a minute. I think he's, I think he's made a little mistake about one of, one of them. And I love that, too, because there's enough in the poem so you can actually go back and look at the picture and think, hmm, uh, I see a detail that I question, which I think just makes it more fun, and I'm not, I'm not knocking Bill's poem. Look back at the picture, and he mentions something that I think shows that he wasn't quite seeing. Well, what do you think? Let, wait, wait, Alita, had, Alita was about to say something. Yeah. 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 Meaning you can't, you don't need the picture, and therefore, by definition, it's descriptive, and then yeah. it has to have layers yeah. under it, right? So yep. you have to, so you have to, you have to 
the the poem has to produce the picture in your mind, a yeah. vision of the picture, and still give you undertones. Undertones, yeah, right? yeah. I think. I mean, the, so the short answer it. is yes. I think you're right, and at the same time, I think that. that just as T.S. Eliot used footnotes in the wasteland, yeah. it doesn't necessarily do any harm to also suggest what the source is and look at it if you want to. Right. No, you would say, yeah. you would say the source, but somebody should be able to independently. Yeah. I'm asking. I'm right. Asking no, I, and I don't know. I don't have a clear answer in my own head to that. I don't mind being sent to the schoolroom or the dictionary or the internet, which does make it so easy, uh, to check. But I, I, I agree with you. And I, I, since I saw both of Bill's poems with the pictures, I don't know. I, I have the feeling that I would have a different picture from the one that's, that's here of the panties. Because I think he thinks, does, it, does anyone, ladies, gentlemen, both of you are probably able to answer my question here. If I were drawing five panties on a clothesline and one of them in the poem was specifically a tiny little girl's, a child's, yeah. hmm, I would draw a different picture. Uh, Joel? I think it's, uh, you know, when, you know, usually when you write something like mm -hmm. this, people will think if a man would have wrote something like this, yeah. which, which really the case yeah. that she did, people would have you are perfect. Yeah. And how do you think he makes makes this feel it's not? Because he does something here that's clever. Um, I think it's legitimate. Um, what's all that Greek in yeah, here? That's what, that's yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it as the name of the actual deity, but calipigeon is an adjective that means having a beautiful butt. And the, he's referring to an actual statue where the goddess or the, the demi-deity known as uh, however she pronounced her name, anybody knows, chime in, because I just don't know where to put the accent. I think yeah, and she's actually looking back over her shoulder as if to say, oh my God, isn't that a miracle? I mean, she's, she's looking, she's twisted around so that she appears to be looking at her own rear end. And so by making, why do you think he throws the classics in here? Joel, do you think that gives him permission to uh, write about panties with such zest? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm. Uh -huh. Yeah. 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 So, how does that how does that work for you? I didn't find it offensive, so I guess it did. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I just there's something in this picture that I tease him about. I'm saying, oh, Bill. I'm sorry. Say again. Right. In fact, do you, I can pick out the one he thinks was the, the little child's. Well, I don't think it's it's the thong. It's a thong. Yeah. I have I have teased him endlessly about the, the yeah. Whole best thing. So, but at any rate, 
what I'm saying, I guess the reason I have it in here is because I think it's charming and fun. I, I kind of enjoyed this. I think it also does raise the questions you have raised, which is why, why isn't it uh, annoyingly um, perverted and why isn't it, and why, um, you know, is it okay to use as your work of art something that is a photograph of panties on a line. Although I would submit that it's a very artistic photograph and that the, the, uh, the person who took the photograph was making art when he made that photograph. So uh, not everyone would agree, I'm sure, but I wanted to kind of mention the fact that ekphrastics can cover a lot of territory, including photographs that are very carefully, very, very, very carefully uh, set up. And I do like that poem, that uh, picture very much. And you can look at these on your own. There's one more I wanted you to look at with when we're together. And that is the fact that this is easy to find because of this really arrested photograph of a sculptor. And I'm hoping that if we look. Having trouble with the order here. Um, this is a sculptor. Um, of very massive and very arresting folk art. He just happens to look like a work of folk art himself, but his, his sculptures are amazing, and they inspired an entire book of poetry by a well-known poet named Elizabeth Spires. And, um, yes, it's Elizabeth Spires. It's based on an, an exhibit she saw of his work at the uh, Museum of Modern Art in New York. And she wrote a book called I Heard God Talking to Me, which was a quotation from him as he was explaining how he went about carving his monumental pieces. And uh, so quotations by him appear with the poems, but the entire book is inspired by his art. And there's enough about him even on this page. I can't find the other page. Um, His name is William Edmondson, and each, each page of the book has, in fact, I'll bring it with me next week because it's beautiful, has uh, one of the pieces of sculpture and then the poem that she wrote about it. But it also contains some of his comments about it, which are really inspiring. You can see, if you look back here, one of his pieces back there. He doesn't, these are not little teeny things. They're gigantic, and they're made out of a very resistant medium. Uh, stone, but she has attempted to sound like his voice, mm -hmm. old will see me where I hid, and this was uh, a sculpture of a, of a rabbit that's sort of jumping out of a stone. He thunked me with his hammer, he scraped me with his knife, he reached in his fingers. This is the rabbit talking mm -hmm. about Will Edmondson, the sculptor. Oh, will see me where I hid. He thunked me with his hammer. He scraped me with his knife. He reached in his fingers, caught hold of my ears, and drew me right out of that chunk of limestone. And, uh, isn't it? And, which is a pretty exact quotation from the sculptor. But anyway, uh, what we have here uh, are some poems that were based very specifically on very specific artworks. And in some cases, the artworks are here. But as Lolita said, maybe uh, it would have been better not to have the artworks here because uh, a really successful ekphrastic poem might be one where it stands on its own completely. Mm -hmm. Oh, I bet I'd still go 
benefit of the internet. What do you think? What is that? If, it, if, if, you, if, you saw, if you didn't, if you saw a poem with the name of a painting, yeah. and you read the poem, would you be able to overcome the temptation to look up the painting? I don't Probably know. Probably not, but I, I, I really love, I sit at the BMA a lot, no. and I sit, in, I sit in front of paintings and write ekphrastic. Mm -hmm. I just love ekphrastic yeah. poetry. And I asked the question because somebody, my son, of course, you know, one day they have a compliment. <laughs> one of my poems is on the BMA audio tour, mm -hmm. so I uh, bribed him into coming and listening and looking, and he goes after that, he goes, Mom, all you're doing is describing the poem. I said, yeah, because not everyone's looking at the poem. You're sitting somewhere yeah. and reading it, and the goal, to me at least, yeah. is that what you like the like the panties one, yeah. and then at the very end he said, "I see myself in in this, which is really what takes it out of the yeah. um, out of the yeah. nasty realm. And if you see yeah. yourself in the panties, then it can't be uh, can be perverted. Yeah. And so yeah. yeah, I said to my son, that's because I want people to sit anywhere and read it, and then visualize the painting, mm -hmm. and then." feel me or mm. some aspect of me in the poem. And would it bother you as the poet if the person looked at your poem and said, dang, I see exactly, oh, I see that so clearly I could draw it myself and drew it. But it wasn't that at all. But would, would that be okay with you? Yeah. Yeah, I would think that would be okay yeah. too. I mean, you've given them a very separate yeah. uh, experience. Yeah. They've just experienced it differently from the way the, the poet yeah. did. But what before, well, we've got to make use of at least some of the wonderful stuff that's out here. And here's a suggestion. Grab a, something to write on, grab something to write with, and just, just take a little stroll around. And I highly recommend, except you're going to have to shove me out of the way, the uh, balls out there. But on the other window is World War II stuff. And then down the hall are, are old album covers and newer album covers. And yeah, so just promise, promise me, I used to say this to my, my high school students many years ago at Forest Park High School, you're on your honor, please come back. <laughs> I mean, if you feel like it. But you know, listening to Lolita, I also thought one of my most, one of my favorite art pieces in the whole world was a half unwrapped mummy of a little kid that used to be at BMA, just lying in a kind of you know, obscure section of the hall in a case, and you could see her little tooth. Oh, I loved that. Yeah. I had to go see her every Saturday because I could walk there. Yeah. Oh, wow. She's changed my life, too. But no, I, 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 I think there's a life-changing experience right out there. So if you feel like it. Oh, and grab some water on the way. And when Francine, I've got to put your name back on. What am I saying? France. Who I have renamed. Oh, God. Oh, poor baby. I'm so glad that you're here. Oh. I almost wrote it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's wonderful. Yeah, she really does. She's amazing.
Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, she's terrific. Absolutely. Oh, good. She has a ton of books, and one of them called Annunciad is also. Uh huh. It's a much earlier book, but it's also almost entirely ekphrastic. So, yeah. So. So I think we got okay to. That's a good idea because I. The one with the mirrors. There's so much here. I just can't even get my brain around it. But there are two. I really. Just take any. Or any combination. This one of the this is the one that just makes my brain this the whole floor is Black History Month and they're all fabulous. I can't get past this one much, but that one over there is amazing also. No, they're all uh, she 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 curated the exhibit, but they go back to unknown origins to nineteen hundred to like two thousand because that like that one's by a known artist and and then you know these Disney these Disney guys and that I wish I knew more about that photograph, but I'm sorry, I'm going to move in just one second to arrive. Is that, isn't that surprising? Yeah. I was interested. It's, it's a real old doll. I think 1930. Hmm. Mm, certainly. 
So how are you doing? Good. It's good to see you. That's funny. I had no idea. I mean, I'm so inept and so unused to being hooked up to a mic. Sorry about that. Hitched up to the mic still? Aha, uh -huh. I guess we know more about him than we want to know. And his went off. Been there, done that. It's, it's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. And the thing is, he'll remember that the rest of his life, just as I remember the rest of my life. My phone going off while I was reading with Gregory Orr. And so here I was, the little opening act for this superstar poet, who was a great guy, by the way, but, and he has small, quiet poems, and my phone went off. He was a lovely, he is a lovely person. Well, I think it's partly because no matter how many books a poet has published, I don't know whether they ever feel quite comfortable saying, oh, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm a poet. I mean, you know, it's like I write poems. And of course, if you write poems, you're a poet. But I, I can't even imagine Kay Ryan, who was, uh, she was the poet laureate a couple of years ago. And she writes these small, wry poems. And somebody once said to her, Kay, you should have been a stand-up comedian. And she said, I know, that was my other ambition in life. And she's really amazing and so funny and and serious, you know? I mean, her poems can wrench your guts out in a way that, but, I mean, she's totally, she totally downplays the fact that not only is she wonderful, but nas you know, nationally recognized as one of the best ever. I've got to do a line I'm trying to turn it in upon itself, the lines that I've written before. Yeah, I'm not trying to. I don't know. I like his work tremendously. Oh, that's entirely possible. I mean, most, most, and all earlier writers that, that could be said of, they didn't necessarily go to junior high school, so. 
a very self-taught batch. You know, I remember you in a brief time that uh, that was in 82, 83 when I went to Towson University. And the reason my English comp teacher was, it wasn't she. I've never seen, I think this, some, somewhere over there lived. Uh, People are okay. They could do another five minutes. So, what did you, did you find something you were you found interesting that, that you might want to write about? In the whole section, yeah. Um, I actually wrote this. Okay, hang on, wait, so, and, and just let us, if you don't mind, let us hear it when, when people get back in, okay? okay. Which they, I'm going to go uh, mother hen um, in, in a minute. Uh, but the thing is, it's such, a, it's such an amazing exhibit. The World War II, the, the, the World War, the war, not World War II, the, the war stuff on the wall opposite the dolls, that's mind-boggling. Good. I like surprises. No, thank you. I would get so involved with it, I'd never be able to open my mouth again. So a lot of people would say, have one, but I'm not going to. I hope it was an entire. What, what are these starbursts? France, I had no idea you were coming all the way from Washington. Just a, oh, oh, which is bad enough, but. Yeah, oh, well. Well, no, who would have thought it? I mean, one really would not have. I guess, I guess, I know, I thought it. Oh, wow. If you drive in Washington traffic, you should watch the lines of Arabia at least once a year. Because that's how they drive. No yeah, what I I take the light rail to no right you can't but there's um, Roz had pointed out that oh, she was trying to get someplace in Washington and she was asking directions and she's and then she said well what about public transportation and the person couldn't help and then she discovered that the light rail went one block the, the one block from yeah yeah but this is just the plain old light rail went to a, a, a stop that takes you to a one 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 subway ride or one street, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm always saying, where am I? <laughs> we went to a thing that was in a a club that was in an alley. Off, uh, and I do have a smartphone, but luckily I was also with a person who used to live in Washington, so I didn't use it. But it was the old, where the hell am I? Yeah, because. Um, I, yeah, right. I mean, that's, that's the driver of the metro to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. 
it looks like you've got lots of good stuff done. Am I good? <laughs> See if you can round up the, the uh, round up the the Mustangs. It is extraordinarily hot. Yeah, Ollie Ollie and Free might work with some generations. I don't know whether people say that. Oh, I better get some of the water, too. Thank you. It did. I'm, I'm impressed. I wasn't sure that anybody yeah, said that anymore. <laughs> I never could figure out how to spell it, either, if I wanted to write it. So I know that, and also, as I said last week, if you're on a roll and you're just writing and writing and writing, just pretend we're not here, you know, stop up your ears, pay no attention. But I could see that some people have actually got something down that they might be willing to share. And remember, nobody expects you in five minutes to have written a poem or a complete poem. This time, I'm so inspired by that, I didn't even try, because I want to do something that's serious. I'm going to knock socks off. Uh, with the idea I have, so I'm not even going to mention it. You can also feel free to say, I don't want to mention it. And maybe bring some, some of it with you the next time, if there is a next time, or email it, or whatever. But at any rate, I could see to Rod, you had uh, something that you had actually sort of finished, right? Or at least it's written down and you're willing to share it, right? So let's play the pass the microphone game. So this is, this is your microphone, that one's your microphone, okay? You're on, Turhan. Um, this is about the doll section. Um, black dolls all over, from all over, black like me, with woven outfits. At first I said I like to see, then I changed it to how nice to see. I know his name. I know hers too. I like the doll's neck. I like the next doll's necklace, made of bamboo. I want to be one of them. Iconic. I mean, I want to be one of them. Such a beautiful scene. Scene. And also, if you're, uh, I mean, ideas where that could go, is it, do you regard it all as already finished? Um, I mean, unless I don't think I'll be about that. Right, okay. Good. I, I, you know, just when you said, I want to be one of them, that was, that was a lovely moment for me, yeah. Lalita, you had a comment. Oh, I was going to read it back. Good, okay. I, it's called Only to See Her Face Again. It's a song and chorus by James E. Stewart, and it was copyrighted in 1880. It's back there. 
It's on the what? It's on the wall. It's on the wall, yeah. And it's just a line drawing of mm. a of a face. Um, but I was intrigued by the title, which is why I mm. chose to write something. It's very ra rough, only to see her face again. It's all in your eyes, the way they gaze out, as if you really aren't here. Your hair thick and wavy like a river delta, rippled water, but not a strand out of place, which is a pity. You are, after all, a natural woman. I see the dip of your breasts, a tease, the jeweled cross misplaced, the black ribbon around your neck. Bathed in altar lace, your face is angelic. And I never got to finish. What I want to say is that, sub, that there's, there's passion and a devilish side inside mm -hmm. that face. And that's, the own, that's why he would like to see her face. Okay. It sounds like somebody who's been to war and is mm -hmm. thinking. And uh, she... There's just a lot underneath her that she is not showing that, mm. that would be, make her more of a naughty woman, yeah. which is what he would want to see her face for. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to work on it? Are yeah, I will work, work on it. Um, it's, it's like I, what I usually do is just write reams and reams of stuff, and then I'll start pulling phrases yeah. out. And so, yeah. Does anybody else write? I, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to apply this to you, but it sounds a lot like what I call with myself the garbage method. And then I pick through the garbage, and I mean, I crank out garbage, 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 garbage. And then I pick out what, you know, what little goodie is there. But some people say it's a wasteful way to write. Do you do that, Tim? When I have to do something, when I have to do something of this sort where I don't sit for four or five hours and then boom, whatever's yeah. been going through my mind because by that time I've usually got the idea of the topic. But when you're pressed for time such as this, I like to think of all of it as, as not necessarily garbage, but uh, a scrapyard. Yeah. And scrapyard. that's pretty much what I did here. And I call it writing down the ideas, and it doesn't matter what the grammar, syntax, logic, anything is. So what you got? Well, I, I picked up on what you said about what you asked one of the other uh, participants about would it bother you if someone wrote it a different way. Mm. And everyone else went out to the hallway, and I counted everyone, and we have 16 people here. Mm -hmm. And I thought of the uh, six blind philosophers of India. Mm. And even put that in there in the place. 16 portraits looking out upon another each a philosopher painting the wisdom of what their own sight sees. A gallery of books, paintings, and marble busts, a learned teacher and her students are the larger composition. Yet the details shall take their form from an individual's eyes, unlike the six blind sophists on the other side of an elephant. These artists are both the seer and the seen, who already possess the knowledge of their differences mm. of description. Yeah. And I want to try to go somewhere like that to make it both the seer and the scene so that the art, y'all are the art, I'm the art, and we're all looking at one another in our surrounding venue. That's going to be neat. 
I hope you progress with it. Hey, I have an idea, because I can see there's no use starting from that side, because those two ladies are really, really into it. Quentin, did you come up with either anything you wrote down or something you got interested in? Uh, let's see. There was a painting um, down the furthest part of the hallway uh, by a gentleman named George Hunt, mm-hmm. who I'm, I'm not familiar with, and uh, um, became really a, a, attracted to it. And uh, uh, I wasn't really uh, able to figure out what the theme of the of the display was completely. And I wrote, um, this is not the title, but it's just what I wrote down. Uh, collage. Can you see the triangles yet to form? Creative phrases. Emotional. Dry rain he paints. Skin hair of rainbows. Stable yet flowing. My eyes. Brown stained eyes. Brown stained neck, the breath exhales. Oh, George, you love the color of a woman. Did you place the colored glass in her, or did she place her colors within you? Why have you clothed her at all? He says she was born with clothes. That's all. Wow. Wow. That is just wow. Well, who took your face I have no idea. Was it, didn't you go outside? Yeah, I did, but I don't. I couldn't determine the. I couldn't determine the theme of the whole display. I just saw the or painting. You did the whole display. No, just a specific painting. Yeah, right? a specific painting by George Hunt. And the thing is that you've given us so much imagery there that you had me right from the triangles yet to form. Whoa! Tell us a little bit more about that that image. Uh, it was it was literally a collage. It, yeah. I mean, that's what it reminded me yeah. of. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know the technical t- term for it, but do you remember? It looked like stained glass. Yeah, was, yeah that, you but made you that have, really clear. Did when you take a, a picture, and you, when I was a kid in school, you would draw these little things, and then we would take the crayons and color little yeah. parts, yeah. and then sometimes the teacher would say, "Okay, now what do you see? Like what you didn't see before." Yeah. And it, I wasn't sure, I couldn't tell if it was someone, he painted it and he came up with the colors, mm. you know, with the light, he saw the light and used the different colors, or did, you know, he see her behind glass mm. and then had the image and then, you know, went home and, mm. and did it or whatever like that. But I just saw a lot of angles mm. and saw the lines, how he was coming from a particular angle down and how he changed the the curve of her hair was in green and gold and blues and then he made everything sort of like a different triangles and it was like mm. glass and he changed the, the, the texture of light from shining her face which was interesting because I could tell the other side being a, a, a purplish brown would indicate from things I've read before that she probably was a, a very brown skinned woman mm. so the light wasn't shining on a, a, a lighter skinned African American mm. woman but he saw, but the light made her skin look more gold, yeah. and you could see the oranges. And she had a very stoic face, like a statue almost, 
but the colors gave it a lot of emotion. You know, it you know tones. The tones gave a lot. You could see this is a feeling, and these were feelings. And at the bottom, he gave her shoulders clothing. He knitted some kind of material, you know, like the top of a dress, and he gave her clothes. And so it made me it made me feel like why did he need to have have her have clothes? But he changed the texture, which changed the feeling of the of the painting. You know, because he added that these like twiny, yarny like. Mm-hmm. You know, um, shoulder pads on a mm-hmm. on a dress. Yeah. So. And that was the part of that was the end of your poem. Too, yeah, that was the end of the poem. Yeah. Are, are you a visual artist? Yeah. Did you have that sneaking suspicion? <laughs> Gosh, because you really know how to see. I tried to sketch it. Wow. I tried to sketch it. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wanted to say something um, really quick about something that was said about. Um, the poem standing alone. Well, it, it made me think about something called edigami. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're aware mm-hmm. of that, but also just watercolors. Mm-hmm. Is it um, when I've done edigami with friends? Um, the instruction. I, I don't. I don't have a much background in, in just watercolor in general. But the instruction is to take the 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 still life, take take the object, and you you sort of use your peripheral vision to trace the to paint or trace the object. Mm-hmm. And so what what you end up seeing is that each person you still see the pair, but every person puts their own pair, mm-hmm. you know, and choose their own color. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with the to me with the what is it called? What's the Ephrastic poetry, poetry yeah. is that um, some people drew it and it it almost looked exactly like the pair, and there's a certain beauty in that. And then there are people who somehow have an interpret interpretation of what a pair is. Mm-hmm. And so you both know that it's supposedly perceptionally a real object, mm-hmm. but there's something else there that's, that's very mm-hmm. fuzzy. Mm-hmm. But the fuzziness isn't mental confusion, it's, it's heart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's this. Yeah. And so it would seem to me that, you know, like with the, with the poems here, some of the writers wrote things that seemed very detailed, mm-hmm. and there were bits of interpretation that you could see them, and others tried to connote a more a broader feeling of what they were mm-hmm. expressing, you know, um, about that. So it, it seems like there's a different way to do that type of poem, mm-hmm. as opposed to, I mean, not opposed to, but in addition, like one way, because even if you can't tell that's, you know, what it was, it's evoking something, mm-hmm. you know, like an after image or a shadow or, you know, it's. In the shadow of a shadow of a shadow, you know, it's yeah. it's doing something. Yeah. So define define the actual act that you do when you do that thing with the Japanese name. I'm sorry that I just left. Edigami. Edigami. I didn't. I didn't. I I nodded because I thought I understood it and I didn't. So what do you, what do you actually do? You're the you be the art teacher and tell us what we would do if we were looking at a pair. Well, if you, like I was looking at what he did with his um uh, with his napkin. And he had he ate it apparently with the the candy, which I thought you know it looked really artistic the yeah. way he had the placement of it. It mm-hmm. just looked really with the handkerchief and the pen. But the um, the thing is, you, you just you sort of you see you make contact with the object. You have the paintbrush or the colors, and you start with the with the impression of what it is. And after that, you use the object. To do it like oh this. to guide your hand yeah, that's what I guess you were saying hand. yeah 
And so it can, it's a kinesthetic sort mm. of, you know, and then you see what, what happens. Yeah. You know, and some people are able to do it like it, like it looks, mm. you know. And then some people, they're doing an impression. Their mind has sees an impression of mm. it. And sometimes their emotions come in and affect it, mm. how it, how it, how, how it is. And you're doing this in watercolor, so you can't yeah, you, go back and make changes. Yeah. 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 Wow. It's fun. It's really fun. People that do it on Facebook, and you can look it up. It's really? really yeah. See? I, I spoke too soon about Facebook. I didn't realize it had a dimension like that. Are you at the, are you, are you at the Institute? Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. just, I have friends there. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Learning a lot from you, Quentin. I learned it from going to a Buddhist center, actually. Yeah. A Japanese calligrapher yeah. taught me. Interestingly, I, I am, I don't even, I don't even much want to go look at George Hunt's collage because I love the way I see it from your poem so much. So I guess I've fallen in love with your poem and what I heard. I don't well, know. Well, he made me fall in love with that woman. Yeah. Looking at it. Woo. So have we got a volunteer? Or are we just going to go right around and harass people in the, you know, the egalitarian method of around the room? Joel, were you able to get inspired by anything that something you might work with, even if you haven't finished it? Well, I have by looking at <coughs> by the um, this is the fourth scene by James Lovejoy. Oh, by what? Well, um, I was um, inspired by um, "Lift Every Voice and Sing" by James Rowland Johnson, and. Um, when I looked, I had to look at the entire exhibit over and over again, mm -hmm. from you know the dolls to um, all the the papers and everything. And there was this. Um, I was about to. I was writing. Um, I'm gonna write, I'm gonna um, read what I have already written, sure. even though it's not finished. I'm gonna sure. read it to you. Um, I was inspired by particularly the uh, Star Spangled Banner, as everyone knows, it is our national anthem. So, I've written something that can uh, um, that can attribute to our culture and what we went through as a, as an ethnicity. <clears throat> so, I've written um, our banner, our people. Now, again, this is not finished, so um, I'm gonna get a chance to, to finish it when I get home, and I'll. Send it to you through Great. email. I would that. Um, we've been shamed, beaten, stripped of our dignity, jailed, killed for no reason, misunderstood by others, hated, feared, called evil. Now, that's all I have for right now, but I will finish the rest come next week. Please do. Now, the, the point of this uh, poem, particular poem, was to explain that we have a flag that we fly, and it's as, and it's interwoven with the with the American flag, mm. with the American dream. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, I think that this, looking back at the entire exhibit, it, it, it amazes me how good of a condition everything is. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, you know. I've been to a few museums in my life, and you know, it 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 was you know some of it is in good condition, but you know, but when you look back at our history, when you look back, um, at the 
at the um, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Um, it was, it, um, I actually did a little bit of music class, so I know this. Um, it, w it sounds like the Star Spangled Banner, but it's different, you know, and it represents what we went through, again, as an ethnicity, and it represents our faith in God, most importantly. Um, and the melody keeps repeating itself. Now, I used to sing um, the song in church every Sunday around this time of year, um, before the sermon is being said. And what makes it powerful is that, you know, it talks about where the right, now I like this particular line which says, where the right gleam of a bright star is cast. Now that particular line explains that we were in darkness, but we have a bright future as, you know, slaves. Mm -hmm. I said I wrote a poem about something out there that I think says the same thing. Mm -hmm. and, and I was particularly inspired by the first, the first part of the, the first part of the song, which basically says, lift every voice and sing till the earth and heaven ring, which is basically the most sang version, the most sang part of the song. Now the last two, now the, the next two are not as sung as the first part. Maybe because of time, maybe because of uh, time purposes in church or things of that nature. Um, or maybe it's not as known in, mostly in the African American community as it is um, are, are in church. You, are you going to be getting some of the James Weldon Johnson actual lyrics into your poem? Um, I was just curious because it seems like that could work. Yes, a little bit. Mm. A little bit. I'm, I'm going to interpret it in my mm. own way. See, I like to paraphrase. Mm. I like to put things in my own words. That's just me as a mm. poet, so... Yeah. It's that's a tall order, but it's going to be it's going to be something that I hope we'll get to read. I hope. Raphael, how about it? Um, okay. Well, I, I started writing a poem on uh, on the music artwork that they have. I don't know if you guys seen it. It's all the way on the other side of the hallway. And it's, it's like uh, they have records and and they have artwork on the records that um, some of them are just regular pictures or just like words, mostly words. But the one thing that caught my eye, it was brought to my attention by the woman that brought in the artwork. Um, and she, while she was putting it in, she was telling me like the history behind the stuff she was putting in, and she was telling me about um, about basically how some of the artists had to paint their faces and uh, like wear certain wear like raggedy clothes just to be able to perform. Mm -hmm and do their, you know, do their show and sing their music or whatever. 
or dance if they dance, you know. And um, in a way that they tried to change their image after all of this was, you know, was done. They tried to change their image and um, show people their worth. And the way they did that was by having a, a, a self-portrait of them with the black face and, and everything. And next to another self-portrait with them as their regular selves, you know, like dressed nicely and without the uh, makeup and everything. So uh, I wrote a poem about a, a album. It's called I Ain't As Foolish As I Look To Be. And um, it goes like this. It's, I ain't as foolish as I look to be. I used to paint my face, but times have changed. I know who I am, a song sung by me. I am no longer in costume. I'm a respectable man. I no longer wear uniform for the military. My black face is only hereditary. This stereotype is only secondary. All these things are me. In this nightmare, I have a dream. And I, I didn't get to finish it while you guys were talking. You know, I kind of like tried to pull a little something from each one of you guys trying to finish it. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of how I got it done. But I feel like I could use this for next week mm -hmm. to edit it and stuff like that. Indeed. Indeed. It's going really well. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Did you did you find just out of curiosity? Did you find anything out there you thought you might want to write about? I, I really didn't get too far past the dolls, but um, there's one doll. She's one of the larger dolls, and there was a lot of attention to detail she had on the straw hat and the necklace and all this, but she had no face. No face. So I'm thinking I might, you know, do try to do something. Like that. Yeah, that could really work well. Mm. Okay, I didn't write anything either. I just took a few notes. And that was Faye, and this is Yvonne, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I just took a few notes on uh, what um, captivated my attention was um, were the boy dolls. I was taken to the, the doll case, and I was looking at this one little doll that I named Mr. Guitar Man, mm -hmm. and I started taking some notes on him, and then I looked at this little uh little um what you call it when you buy something the little um what is it no but the little the sticker the the um the, the tag thank the tag, you yeah. and it said little bob marley so uh -huh. i might little write bob. about little bob little marley, bob marley. Wow. Yeah. well i already went but i'll pass this mic around to the rest of the people Uh, for that assignment, um, over in the corner, or in the vestibule, when you come right off of the elevator, is a glass box. And what caught my attention was a small old poster advertising under the glass the wonderful tooth powder or paste used especially to polish the gold tooth oh, wow. and bleach <laughs> like satin white, the white teeth. 
the picture of a smiling black woman's mouth pointing to her front frontal mouth area with a sweet tooth smile. Mm, wow. That's just yeah. a starting point. Whoa. <laughs> there's a lot of places for that to go. Whoa. My turn? Mm-hmm. Okay. I did one for uh, an action hero toy based on Spawn, the movie. I've never heard of it, but I was fascinated by the thing. <clears throat> black man, black man, action hero, Spawn, Spawn, the movie, born to justice. Tight black suit, black combat boots, black man, black man, sworn to justice. Grenades at thigh, ferocious stare, caged in plastic, shrunk to form. Spawn, the ultra-action hero, transformer backpack to launch a missile. McFarlane creation, but not for children. Spawn, small parts, a warning, choking hazard. Spawn, a hero. Born in darkness, sworn to justice. Black man, black man, you're now a toy for every 13-year-old boy. (laughs) So what do you think? We got some youngish black men here. Does that, how does that, how does that hit you? Cold. Cold? Cold. Well, look at this action hero. I base it on that. I don't know if you're a person. No, I mean, I think he's saying a good thing. He's not saying that your problem is cool. Oh, yeah, they are. So it's cool. It's kind of funny. Did any of you find any of the details resonated particularly? I mean, I think we'd all say something different. I had one. He's got that tight, tight black uniform on, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. That's it's great. I love that. I think I think you're getting uh, you're getting respect from Raphael and Tarad there. No, that's yeah. Yeah, but how about choking hazard? That was that was a. I mean, that's right on the thing. I know that's right on the. Yeah, everything is right there. Yeah. I didn't make that stuff. No, no. Yeah, it's. For me, it really is. Really. I think that you're being attacked. I think they're saying it's. Yeah. He works with CIA and he 
special operations type of like Navy mm -hmm. SEAL type of thing, more clandestine than that. But he's dead. And he was basically a mercenary. So he died and uh, he was cursed by the devil essentially, but they call him by a different name. Um, and sent back to Earth. Um, and once he got back to Earth, he was given these powers um, that he was torn between doing good um, and doing evil, in a sense. And he was given a second chance, but he took these powers and wanted to do something really good. So in, in the first part of his life, uh, the poem actually would describe the first part of who he was as his character. I mean, as his human side. Not so much, you know, spawn mm -hmm. alter ego. Mm -hmm. So I think if you were looking at the totality of the character, the character actually might write that poem. Mm -hmm. But not necessarily the people from the outside. Mm -hmm. Because the projection of him as an anti-hero is pretty upfront. Mm -hmm. He doesn't see himself in an idea. He mm. might see himself as a toy. Mm. But if, if a person came, you know, just literally onto the scene and listened to the poem, I don't think they would, would get, get that. You have to read and just really read into the series. So in a sense, her poem comes across, comes across very intuitively mm -hmm. as what the character really feels about himself, but not necessarily the external perception of how you view from, from people who read the book as, yeah. as, as being a hero. Yeah. Sure, sure. But isn't that just what you were aiming for? The, the, that he was cursed? I mean, he, he was cursed, right? And this... this and that's so clearly in your poem, that he was cursed. Yeah, yeah. My idea of a curse? Oh, wow. <laughs> you know what? We are. I'm sorry, Lolita. What were you about to say? I was going to add one little thing, and I. Um, what I have thought that ecstatic poetry is, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but but it can be um, a poem where the picture is talking to you, mm -hmm. like you're talking, like you just said, like the. Like, like, uh, if I look at if I look at that picture there, an ecstatic poem could be me talking to that man, he talking back to me, me talking to the painter. Or the, I mean, it can be any any. It can be all combinations sure. of that, so that you could be writing the poem in the voice of that person back to the. Yeah. To you, and that's what I've heard. That's, yeah. so that, I, I that's heard that what, too. That reminded me. You're writing. That poem is in the voice of the picture. Right. That little doll was talking yeah. to you in that, that poem. Yeah. 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 And that's the that's the really upsetting thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I mean about the toy. Yeah. 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 Well, remember they, they might always they might choke. It would be it would be. Oh wow! Yeah, I know. Now I think what we're emerging here is that the the pictures and the exhibits have talked to us, yeah. as opposed to just us, you know, doggedly describing it. Because uh, but you've got a lot of real details in there. It's just that they're you're using them to talk to you in a different way. Yeah.
to the to the from the thirteen year old. You didn't like military, but army army Barbie. Oh, I was, I was going to do something. I was excited with Army Barbie. Yeah. Well, at any rate, we have, we actually are way over time, but we were allowed to, I think, because you got cut off 10 minutes last time. And so, huh? oh, 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 France, I am so, well, just tell, just, just quick, quick, quick. Do your ode quickly. No. Uh, Oh, oh because he looks like my guitar teacher. Mm. Um, but then, the big dreads doll or the little dreads doll? The little one in the front oh, with okay. the, the bright blue sweater and the dreads mm. and the guitar. Right. Um, yep. But the, the main thing that caught me wasn't a specific thing, was the, the overall Get on the thing mic. I thought um, it was just bits of living history and why one thing got preserved over for another. And so I just had a bunch of notes. It was Babylon has fallen, carrying me back to old Virginia. There's a happy little home. Board of Medical Examiner's certificate stained and worn, yellowed with age, forgotten relic of pride found in a cardboard box, a woman whose solemn dignity belies her festive stripes in the memorial of a long-ago funeral, folded in a hymnal um, next to forgotten plantation songs. And then a little further down the road, there, there's a picture of Map of Maryland with um, Cecil Calvert on it. Mm -hmm. And he's just staring over his shoulder with this kind of what's coming up behind me look, and it, the contrast was just interesting. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with it yeah. yet, but... It's a lot of good stuff But there. most of it was, it was this idea but of what gets I think you, in so, I think you picked, somebody else in here picked that same doll, the little Bob Marley oh. doll, and that's great because they'll go in different directions and show us yet something else about that frosted. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. But, but the relationship you between the older papers yeah. and the, the, the young, very yeah. hip-looking doll. But who was it also? I'm sorry, go ahead, Yvonne. No, I just wanted to say, I picked that same doll. Oh, okay. And then I had, in these little notes, I, I took, I had the plantation songs in my notes, too. Yeah. I had How about that? that? Lyrics of a lonely life and the piano guys and anywhere yeah. else going somewhere. Yeah, that plantation life is a real intersection mm -hmm. there. Wow. Okay, so if anybody feels like you know emailing anything that you fin you think you're finished already, I can actually run it off for us to look at. You can just, I hope, bring something in next week. You don't have to, but if you do, that would be great. What can I say? Yeah, okay, this could be is it a deal? Just what we did actually, I'd love to, uh, if you want to send if you want to do something else. Yes, because I want to have a lot of stuff for us to work with next week. If you're here next week, okay. So. I would love it if you would, yeah, because I think I don't. I don't I, think you I, should do too much well, more to that. I will have to look up this No, and and you got the curse in there. That's that's for sure. So we need to let the good people of security go home. And I hope to see you next week. And I hope maybe before next week I'll get to see some notes or a whole poem.